passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling site. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the buck stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. It is John Pollock. It is Wei Ting. It is Rewind to Dynamite. Hello. Welcome. It is Wednesday night. Plans this weekend, Way. Australian Grand Prix. No, it's it's a lot of wrestling. Those are my plans. And, and, uh, and a lot of podcasting as well. So same as today. Same as today. This is show number two of the day. We have brought back, we have resurrected the post- daily news show this week and i will say that i think we have had some great interviews this week i've been happy with all of them so far we kicked off monday with nick houseman and speedball mike bailey who i i got a, a text from from a member of of the post staff who's like this guy is super interesting uh so anyway uh, a very i i thought he came off great in the interview i really enjoyed chatting with him and i i think he enjoyed the interview as well. Then Tuesday, we had Dave Meltzer on. And when we, in the preamble way, before we went live, uh, stated, you know, Dave, we won't, we won't keep you too long. And Dave said, I can talk as long as you want. I was like, okay, <laughs> we'll keep you then longer than I had intended. So uh, we got like 45 minutes here with uh, Dave Meltzer. I felt Tuesday was like the sweet spot of his week. It's like enough removed from Observer Deadline Day. I yeah. booked these strategically way. And then today... We had a Brandon Thurston live from WrestleNomics HQ, and we just so happened to have a lengthy Nick Khan interview dropped this morning with John Orend and Andrew Marchand, Andrew Marchand from the New York Post. Uh, they did an interview with Nick Khan, and we dissected that. We went through some mania business numbers, WWE's overall health going into their big weekend in California. So as always, a great chat with Brandon Thurston. So that's all up on the post-wrestling cafe and we're we're doing it all again thursday and twice on friday we will have an afternoon show and then a late night show friday after this supercard of honor show that i've got to say of of all the shows coming up this week supercard of honor might be near the top for me at this point it this card looks incredible it really does and um you know if, if if you didn't catch it all in the lower third um in the main event tonight well maybe we'll go through the card it's wild, okay? It's a separate company, right? Like, that is the, the official word. Yeah. So, like, I, I, we can't have it both ways because, man, people, I think, were overly critical about the involvement of ROH. Yeah. This is like the extreme in the opposite direction where we are going to hold these tapings in this arena to facilitate 
And then on the actual show, like honestly, until the last, the, the, the lower thirds that Way mentioned in the main event, like you wouldn't even know that this show is coming up and it's, it's a loaded card. I think there is a happy medium there. And I just don't know if, like I can 100% say they did not hit it hard at all tonight that the show is coming up on Friday night. And like even to air like that Claudio Eddie Kingston promo, uh, you know, but again, it's it seems like there is this very thin line that they are not going to cross when it comes to promotion. And if ever there was a week to do it, this this is the one to do it that, you know, give the, give the extra oomph for this this big card that's coming up. Yeah, I I have to imagine it, it it might be something that they're concerned about maybe contractually. You know, this is not a, a property that that is on a, a Warner Network. It's something independent. But it is it is on BR Live. That is where U.S. consumers are buying it. So there is that connection within the the WBD family. Yeah, well, I'm I'd, I'd be curious if anybody would be asking Tony Khan this week about that. But um, the the, the ROH integration continues to be maybe somewhat peculiar. Um, but at the very least, you know, they're trying to tell stories of guys uh, leaving companies and going to ROH, you know, for refuge. And um, I suppose this this sort of helps that. Well, we again, uh, we will have shows on the cafe Thursday. We are going to be joined by Davey Portman for a big look at both nights of WrestleMania as well. We'll, we'll talk about Stand and Deliver. And John Pine will also stop by our local uh, GCW correspondent. He will be talking about some of the highlights from the collective that is coming up over the weekend. What are the big matches to look out for? What is he most interested in? So chatting with both of them on Thursday. Friday afternoon, we will have uh, John Ceno on the show and maybe some other people popping by as we will get to look back at what went down on Thursday night. What are the big highlights from uh, the Mark Hitchcock show? Impact and New Japan have their show, Bloodsport. So that's sort of the uh, the first night recap. And then again, Friday night after Supercard of Honor, we will also have a show Saturday night, Sunday night live on the YouTube channel minutes after WrestleMania. And then Monday, Monday, we can all collectively enter a coma before raw i think tuesday honestly i mean even tuesday we'll, we're probably right back at it doing something else right so we're, we're going to be busy really for the rest of our lives i think yes um yeah we should uh yeah we, rewind away is coming out next week if ever there's a week maybe we will find a different day of the week to drop it on maybe it is next week i, I literally sure. don't know when i'm gonna find time to uh even even listen to this uh phil brooks interview but that is coming out next week date to be determined we we, mm. we need to recharge at some point anyway that is next week this week it's it's full of uh wrestling so if you so choose to you can go to postwrestlingcafe.com six dollars gets you access to all of these bonus shows and interviews that we've been doing as well as three more shows from us on thursday and friday combined uh it helps support the site it helps support all of the people here at uh, post wrestling so jump on in it gives you a month of access you can also join at video.postwrestling.com see what all of these people look like in their in their with their backgrounds their plants that they have um it's it's always a wonderful uh aesthetic to have on top of just the guest's voice is to actually see them and hey our data has told us a lot of you are enjoying listening to post wrestling on apple podcasts wait tell me more yeah well i mean you know if you join join us on patreon you can always get a custom rss that you can put into your apple podcast app but a lot of you guys don't uh like to 
deal with all that or don't have the technical knowledge. So for those of you who just want to directly subscribe to the Post Wrestling Cafe, you can do so directly through the Apple Podcast app. Just click on the join button when you click on uh, the basically post wrestling feed and uh, you just pay through Apple Pay or whatever you got set up there. And then you can get all of our bonus shows directly. So we're not going to go over uh, too much, but uh, I did want to uh, talk a little bit about the Nikon interviews because it turns out he did the uh, the interview that we dissected pretty heavily on today's show with Brandon, but he also did another interview with Colin Coward. So Nikon is uh, making the rounds, not as newsworthy, I would say, as the one with uh, with Orand and Marchand. First of all, just just like a Coles Notes version uh, way, what did you take away from that interview with Nick Khan? He hit on so many different topics. We don't have to go into them, but just overall, like your your sense of sort of his direction, his focus in the interview, and just overall promoting WWE in this sort of distancing themselves from 2022 and all of the Vince McMahon scandal that was attached to that year for them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, it put into focus maybe um, the, how I'm, we're really right at, you know, the t- the time of, of these negotiations that are coming up. He, in fact, he said uh, as early as this weekend is when the, the right of first start to take will- like the first offers from the incumbents, which would be Comcast, NBC Universal and Fox. Yeah, and, and obviously there's this whole sale discussion that's still going on. But you know, I, I guess in my mind, I had figured that the sale would be complete before they would even enter talks for um, these TV rights negotiations. But this interview really was was to me a lot about more so the TV rights negotiations than anything else. Yeah, and interesting to hear as well. Con uh, would not add a prediction on the rate of the increase that they are expecting, but Marshawn predicted a 2x increase. And if you have to break it down, I mean, the average annual value of these deals are $470 million between Raw and SmackDown. So a 2x increase, you can do the math there. Orand is even more bullish. He thinks they will go above a 2x increase, which... Brandon Thurston thinks, well, you can you can listen. He thinks that's a, a little bit high. So we'll we'll see. It's I would say if you had asked me this like eight months ago, I was extremely high. I thought WWE, like they are going to be just swimming in this revenue. The landscape has taken a dramatic turn in these eight, nine months. And it wasn't just last summer where I think everyone got spooked by that Netflix subscriber number that had a ripple effect, but it's the overall erosion of of cable subscribers and a lot of these major companies that are very deep in debt as well that sort of limits things but it is ultimately nikon believes that if you bring the eyeballs you will you will be fine and i think he's he this is the guy I, i would certainly not want to underestimate in these talks i don't know if there's anyone you would have more confidence in um than a than a nikon to be spearheading your your sports your your live event rights could it be possible? So when when are the deals supposed to be made? He had stated that that so the the last set it was around springtime that we got the the announcement um, mm-hmm. in the Sports Business Journal earlier this week. They targeted sort uh, sort of a, a summer to early fall kind of timeline, so a bit later than than the last set. So we are looking at a bit later in the year than than the spring. But no chance. Like by that point, you would think all the sale discussion would be over. I I right? think like the sale talk. Like if, if this is good, I I would say by 
by mid-June, I think if we do not have a sale, I think that the expectation of a sale would be dramatically lower uh, if, we're, if we're talking, you know, two, two and a half months from now. I guess what I mean is, you know, like, is there a chance that a TV deal would be made before a sale is announced? Or, or, or like, could, could, you, could, you know, these brands still compete to, to purchase the company? I guess it depends on who's buying, right? It, it could happen. I mean, if you are Comcast, and I, I would say it would be more advantageous for a Comcast that looks at the value of raw. And if they believe this is a property we cannot lose, we will be in business with whoever. And, and we, we are and gonna, we can't buy it. We can't afford to buy it, but we want to keep the show on the network. Yes. Yeah, which is an interesting um it's interesting. Like WWE is very vital to their their cable service uh, with, with USA, but it is not something that it appears Comcast is going to be in the running for to actually buy this and granted renting and buying it's it's a world of difference especially when you're hearing these um these bloated figures out there of what wwe might want for the the company but you could certainly look at comcast as on paper would seem like someone that could benefit greatly from just owning this thing outright versus you know if we're talking anywhere near a 2x increase over those five years like that becomes the discussion point of is it worth it to continue to see this rent go up versus buying this thing and it, it pays itself off in a, in a longer term? Well, I'm just wondering if all this talk of a sale might push one of these networks to push for a deal to be made sooner than, you know, um, something something else may that, that may occur. Yeah, I I can't get into to, into their minds of, you know, the idea of, you know, committing these many dollars over this amount of time and you don't have a sense of who is going to be owning this. And I would think they are also privy to some, some pretty confidential information too, as these deals are going forward and where the lay of the land is on the sale talk, who are the real players that are in this and giving that realistic, uh, keep keeping your incumbents on board with sort of the trajectory of the company. When you're, when you're talking this amount of dollars that are going into the billions beyond just uh, millions as well. So um, it was a very interesting interview news wise. I mean, noting Pat McAfee is not expected to be part of WrestleMania this weekend that, I mean, maybe comes as a semi surprise, but we certainly saw at the Royal rumble, um, even when he isn't following the product, I mean, to you and I, it's pretty. It was pretty noticeable. He's not following it, but he can get by on his just fandom. Yeah. That it, he is kind of in that Jerry Lawler role where the guy doesn't need to be up on all the the latest storylines to uh, put put forward that energy. But mm-hmm. I mean, he's pretty much stated on his show he's sort of waiting for this whole thing to shake out with, with the sale and and stuff like that. So. I mean, Pat McAfee is a very, very interesting figure. And you can tell from Nick Khan, he has an enormous amount of respect for this guy and wants him to be more part of WWE, but is someone that I guess is kind of on the sidelines. Yeah. Some, I mean, you know, um, somebody who I think has um, been well-reviewed and well-regarded by even, you know, the, the hardcore wrestling audience is somebody who um, knows his stuff, or at least at the time when he was, uh, you know, doing it consistently and, and brought a great energy um, and somebody obviously who brings a great deal of mainstream attention as well. So um, I, 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 I don't, I'm not going to say I necessarily need a Pat McAfee on, on a WrestleMania, but um, you know, I'm sure they, they would love to have him anytime he's available. Now I might, uh, I might stand corrected on Thursday or Friday if this happens, but it is interesting. I, I don't believe there has been any, any guests on Pat McAfee's show this week that you would think like that's an outlet that they would want to get some of their talent on. Like last year, I mean, you had, you, there was maybe a year or two ago, they, they had Pat McAfee like 
operating live from the WrestleMania location. And um, it, it would just be interesting if anyone does pop up there in the next day or two. Like, that would be a natural outlet you would want to get your talent onto for exposure. Sure, yeah. Or I guess Logan Paul's podcast, you would think I, as well? Um, I, I guess that's possible. We know that Logan Paul was on a Kevin Hart's podcast, Cold as Balls, the other day that Raw plugged. You ever listen to Cold as Balls? I, I don't think I have that. I don't think I've ever Googled the uh, Cold as Balls yet. The last item uh, from, from the interview, uh, I just bring this up because you know, I, I tweeted out some of the uh, the notable points from this interview and mentioned the the idea that Nick Khan stated, like, we would be open if, you know, Peacock wanted to in this next set of negotiations, which the streaming deal is separate from the domestic rights deal. Uh, but if the next streaming deal, they wanted to look at something more similar to ESPN Plus and the UFC, where you pay for your subscription to ESPN Plus, but then the UFC numbered events cost an, an additional amount. And I mean, if you want to go look at the the bomb that was dropped on on my my Twitter feed of people quote tweeting this, I mean, I, do, I don't think I saw one positive comment of just absolute uh, <laughs> guarantees from people that they will be streaming WWE shows from now on. They hate this idea. I mean, it, it was presented as a total hypothetical and Nick Khan even stating, you know, if they offered us a 5X increase, sure, we'd have to take a solid look at it. I don't think this is something they are um, spearheading forward. But I mean, you would be foolish to state, oh, we would not we would never do that of course if there was a revenue value attached to it but nikon is also very very astute in the sense of you can take the quick money but what is your relevancy going to be at the end of that deal and if you mm. he even I think it was in this interview it compared it to boxing where they went to a model of all the big fights on pay-per-view and then about 10 12 years ago they realized that you know, they need to have a larger window to get their fighters um, into into living rooms, into the homes of your fans and not just have a giant price tag attached to all the biggest fights. Like you want to have that window for accessibility and not just paywall everything. Do you think the UFC has been hurt by that? I think UFC has done a very good job that you have so much product out there on their different systems, very much like WWE. Like you have your your basic cable um i will say it's wwe they have more of a network window because ufc only gets on abc a few times a year but there's pretty much every saturday night your chance to watch fights and you get like a decent quality main event almost every saturday night uh but the pay-per-views i think the the big shows are monsters but there are your rank and file shows that again we don't see numbers but i imagine those ones are hurt by being the same price point as your biggest shows like $80 and they've done like three pay-per-views in a in just a month and a half stretch they've got another one next weekend like that's that's a huge amount you're asking your audience it's very expensive to be a UFC fan I suppose it's a bit of a more um, difficult comparison because the UFC has always been pay-per-view they've never had to train you like WWE would have to retrain to go Mm -hmm. back to that model I think that would be very hard and there's uh, there would be no way they would be pricing it as high as UFC but Mm -hmm. if if you were telling me in a world where you would have to sign up for Peacock and at least for WrestleMania, you would have to drop $60, $70, that I could see happening. And frankly, yeah. as much resistance as people would have when that's announced, I think a lot of people would still buy WrestleMania. You wouldn't be getting the viewership numbers we're going to get for this this weekend, but mm. it, it would still be a very strong amount, I feel. 
Yeah, especially like if it was a WrestleMania like this year's, you know, that I think for a lot of people, if you're at least a WWE regular viewer, you're 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 probably less likely to miss this one than others. Um, I think if you put that out online, people will threaten to, you know, pirate it and, and whatever. And maybe a certain section will. But a lot of the vast majority, I think I think they'd be able to get away with it. On the Colin Coward show, again, not not as much news out of this one, but in terms of like an area of growth for them, Nikon has doubled down on we own like 98% of our intellectual property and cited Marvel and, you know, other entities that, I mean, they, they have not monetized enough of what they own. Like all these characters mentioning Andre the Giant and The Undertaker. So just get ready whatever they can slap their images to they are looking to do it and wring out every last uh dollar from every one of these characters in perpetuity uh, yeah um you know what what about uh i'm trying to think uh positive Ali. you know they even man they even own that they so, own it all yeah he also mentioned that of their audience makeup 40% are female 50% of those that attend our live events come with a child. And then the stat that I just cannot believe in the last 15 years, there has not been a fight in the stands at one of our events. I don't even know how you would tabulate that. And I cannot fathom. I honestly, I am sure I have witnessed a fight uh, in the last 15 years at a WWE show and talk about just daring your audience by throwing yeah. that stat out. I mean, you're just, you're, you almost start saying, who wants to be the one who wants to break the streak? <laughs> have at it. Jeez. Um, I, I guess I would I, never I mean, trumpet this this fact to people. I would that would be a quiet stat that I would keep out of the public purview, mm, and I don't I, believe it either for a second. Yeah, I'm sure we are going to get anecdotal evidence from fans uh, that have attended shows the last 15 years of a fight. Like what what is what is the thinking behind? announcing a stat like that what is he looking to achieve he's stating that it's family entertainment that you come it's a safe environment i don't know if you want to read too much into it as comparing it to maybe like differentiating it from maybe boxing or ufc that might have a more violent connotation to its audience makeup it, it's completely about like this is a family this is family entertainment that you come and it's a very safe environment that was the in as many words how he described the wwe live event experience Right. Okay. I, I guess if I was a concerned parent, um, I I guess I just wouldn't necessarily think that there'd be fighting going on in wrestling stands. But you know, I'm I'm also a wrestling fan, so. And they noted that the creative team they are months ahead of WrestleMania in their their creative vision. Months ahead. Well, that, I think that's really, you know, as a as a watcher of the show, I, I'm really happy to hear that long term booking. Yay. Uh, moving on. Um, we also had a um, – uh, where are we here? WWE story. Uh, yes, this is with uh, the Associated Press about their sponsorships for WrestleMania. So they have topped $20 million for this year's event, a new record for the company. And Craig Stimmel, who is the senior vice president and head of global sales and partnerships, um, stated that uh, WWE will incorporate corporate brands into this year's WrestleMania in a multitude of ways including a match sponsorship, a blurring of the fourth wall between what home viewers see versus what live audience members observe, and an augmented reality 
experience. So I am predicting that it is going to be Bobby Lashley taking on a computer-generated image of Bray Wyatt. Hmm. Okay. A so, hologram. Yes. Interesting. So um, <laughs> somehow, somehow, um, Chad GPT will be in- integrated into this year's WrestleMania. Uh, that's um, going to be Chad Gable's new name. Hmm. <laughs> Chad, Chad GPT. Chad GPT. I like it. I like it and, a lot. And he's going to be presented by Cinnamon Toast Crunch, aka yeah. Otis, and yeah. uh, and it will all be a figment of your imagination that the audience can see at home, but the viewers will see something different. Sure. Yeah. Any any sort of like advancement in technology, uh, especially when it applies to professional wrestling, I'm always at least very curious to see how they employ it. Ninety percent of the time, it's pretty awful and completely unnecessary. But I'm at least very curious to see it. So let's see what they do. Uh, Tim White is going to receive the Warrior Award at the Hall of Fame ceremony this Friday night. They announced on the bump Wednesday. So that makes the the fifth honoree for the Hall of Fame, joining Rey Mysterio, the great Muda, Andy Kaufman, and Stacey Keebler. Uh, Tim White, longtime uh, referee and working behind the scenes with the company, going back to 1982, and actually started off in their merchandise department and then became a referee, which lasted until he had that brutal shoulder injury that he sustained in the Hell in a Cell match with Chris Jericho and Triple H. He came back two years later, damaged the shoulder immediately, and that was it for his refereeing days. But always um, just you can go back. And I was looking at uh, the story I wrote on him at the time last June and just the accolades for this guy. I mean, he was so popular among those that worked with him in the company. And this is definitely one of the Warrior Award inductees that was more in line with what Jim Helwig had envisioned for this award when he um, suggested the Jimmy Miranda Award back in 2014. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it it became what it was. And it was sort of like an, an outreach award. But this was this is more in the spirit of what it was designed to be. Those that were maybe, you know, major contributors behind the scenes that people didn't know of. Tim White was a more public figure, but mm-hmm. this is more in line with that. Yeah, no, I, I I think it'll create a really nice feel good moment for a guy that probably otherwise wouldn't have had that sort of public spotlight like this. You know, I'm, this is still going to be on on on, um, I guess, the network. And do we know how long the show is slotted for? Two um, hours? You would, you guess, I, I don't know. This class? Well, I mean, we're they, up to five, uh, you know, five speeches plus the those inducting them. So, you know, it'll yeah. it'll probably be in that neighborhood of two hours. I don't think we're going to get like a lengthy speech like The Undertaker last year. Like even from mm-hmm. Ray, I don't imagine it being an like an hour. How long would, did The Undertaker go? Close to an hour last year? I don't year? know, dude. How long would Tech, talk, tech Talks usually? So, you know, um, but I, I'm happy. It would be s- awesome if Conan got up there and he just vamps for an hour and he just goes <laughs> and goes. That would be great. Be the highlight. So the next day, yeah. R- Rick Flair is going to have a live mic. So, th- I mean, he's going to be a lot longer than Muda will, which uh, Kaido Kiyomiya apparently is not going. He had like a concussion issue. So Ooh. now it's... Um, Darby Allen. No, it's... Um, uh, I think it's Inamura who's going with him instead. So anyway, no Kaito Kiyomiya at, uh, okay. to assist him with whatever errands he needs to be taken care of. But probably going to be a short and sweet sweet speech from Muda. Who do you think of Ducks Tim White? I would hope it's um, maybe one of um, – gosh. I'm trying to think. I, I mean, you could certainly go with like – 
a Bradshaw or so, I, I'm thinking of someone WWE w- would nominate. Certainly you would think of like one of like their, like that class of referees from that generation. Um, you know, like a Mike Kyoto or, or someone like that. But I, I would imagine they would maybe go with someone off the, off the roster. I, mm-hmm. I, I maybe a Bradshaw. Uh, that one just comes to mind. It, it could be anyone mm-hmm. though. Uh, so that's, uh, that's coming up on Friday night. And then, uh, on NXT Tuesday night. So we did get the addition of Roxanne Perez to the women's ladder match. So she did this backstage segment with Shawn Michaels. Did you see this on Tuesday? I didn't see the segment. No, it was an interesting segment. She came in and said that she is cleared and she is ready to come back. And Shawn said that he thinks she should have some tune-up matches first and not jump into this ladder match so quickly. And Roxanne pleaded her case and then explained that she suffers from anxiety and that doing this match would show people that they can they can get through their battles with anxiety. And it was sort of just out of like left field, this direction that they were doing. And Shawn Michaels is is not the sometimes he's great in the in these scenes. And this was a I don't know. Shawn was a very, very stoic in this. But um, that was the story is like Roxanne Perez coming back and she's overcoming her crippling anxiety as she described it and then indy hartwell won the last chance qualifying match so she is in this and there are so many people booked on this nxt show on saturday afternoon so if you look at the the updated lineup we have braun breaker and carmelo hayes and johnny gargano and grayson waller those are the two singles matches we have fallon henley and kiana james against isla dawn and elba fire Roxanne Perez, Zoe Stark, Gigi Dolan, Tiffany Stratton, Lyra Valkyria, and Indy Hartwell in a ladder match. Uh, there is a varying degree of experience in this ladder match. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. The six bodies in this, uh, like th- this one really could be a-, a cluster with all of these people in it. The North American Championship has Wesley, JD McDonough, Ilya Dragunov, Dragon Lee, and Axiom. This is, I mean, these are all very high-level performers, and that one certainly would have to stand out as your uh, potential match of, of the show, though, though a few candidates. Gallus, the Creed Brothers, and Tony D'Angelo and Stax, and then control of Chase U will be determined with uh, Chase U's Andre Chase, Duke Hudson, Thea Hale, and Tyler Bate against Joe Gacy, Jagger Reed, Rip Fowler, and Ava. Eight matches mm-hmm. on the stand and deliver card. And they are they are sending almost everyone on this NXT roster to this show. Minus Brooks Jensen, who will be at home drinking a Brooks Jensen while watching this. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. Uh our friends at Poison Rana have released their WrestleMania party drink menu of which Brooks Jensen himself has retweeted because he loved his drink so much. So go and check that out on their social media. Um, hey, NXT is about getting people experience, and I I don't certainly mind them, you know, trying to fit everybody on this per- type of per- show with the aim of just giving people exposure on a weekend where everybody will be watching a lot more professional wrestling than they're used to. And a lot of these matches, I. I think are going to turn out really well. Even the women's match, I, I feel like they'll they'll probably rehearse a whole lot of it. I, you have to wonder in terms of length of show, you know, how much time will all these matches be given? And I'm imagining some pretty fast paced matches. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to the show. All in all, if I have the energy to, you know, by by that point to to watch it all. This has a 1 p.m. start time. Yeah, I can't see the show going under two and a half hours. So if you no. 
extend that to 3.30. They're also doing a press conference for the media after Stand and Deliver. And then WrestleMania is at, I think it's a two-hour kickoff. They're doing both nights because they're advertising 6 p.m. I mean, you could watch. I mean, you could watch the kickoff. You can completely the miss. There will be nothing on the kickoff show of yeah. of note, uh, especially if it's going to be without matches. So, um, those are two hours you don't really need to see. That that will actually give me time on Sunday to watch the Indie Hall of Fame. Maybe I'll do that during the kickoff. Raw on Monday night for the Go Home Show. One million one million eight hundred forty three thousand viewers and a point five six uh, up four percent in viewership up 1% in the demo, uh, but without NBA, without NCAA, they were number one on cable. Their largest audience since February the 20th, 18 to 34 was its highest since uh, the the uh, Raw following the Royal Rumble back in January. And in Canada, doing 391,700 viewers, third among sports programs that night. And I have a story up on the site just looking at the Canadian numbers this month compared to March of last year in the lead up to WrestleMania. And these are the stats way. Raw is up 39% in March 2023 versus the same month last year. SmackDown is up 43%. Uh, NXT is only up two and a half percent, so it is it has not received the same bump uh, as Raw and SmackDown. What do you attribute this to? Because the obvious would be Zayn and Owens are in the big program, and you've also got Cody in there as well. But last year, it's not like Zayn and Owens were in nothing programs last year either. Owens was in a huge match with Austin, and Zayn was at least in a celebrity tie-in, although. Zane is significantly hotter this year than last. Um, do you just look at it as the Zane Owens factor, the overall health of the company? I, I would say it's those two things. You know, I, I think the show itself has been more enjoyable um, top to bottom, especially at the top with this bloodline angle that, you know, has now taken place across both shows. Um, and while Zane and Owens, you know, ended up on, in prominent positions on, on the shows, they Kevin Owens wasn't necessarily building the Steve Austin feud with steve austin i mean no, he you didn't have building. steve on the shows yeah and and like you had kevin owens segments but uh, it was hardly i would say the focal point of those broadcasts not the way that you know he and Sami Zayn are the focal points of these stories and uh, again even if it wasn't it, it certainly doesn't help that you have two canadians in prominent positions but even if they weren't attached to this i imagine the ratings would, would have still done pretty damn well i also wonder if elimination chamber being positioned you know uh, during the wrestlemania season gave a whole lot more canadian attention to you know wwe at this point a good in time. point they, they received a ton of attention from different media in the lead up and coming out of elimination chamber um i will say last year just looking at the numbers once they set up that austin match you did see raw get a bit of a spike and as i recall not smackdown as well like it did feel that angle did up the raw numbers but it's, it's exponentially higher this year um a, a correction on the nxt they're actually down three percent this year as opposed to last march so anyway no growth there for any it, it's essentially flat from last year so it, interesting stats there on the canadian front and then nxt did six hundred twenty thousand viewers 0.16 on tuesday night up 13 percent in viewers and up 33 percent in the demo 11th on cable which is the highest nxt has ranked this year going against the uh, toronto raptors and miami heat Big increase among women, 18 to 49, and a three-week high for the show. 
and doing 79,000 viewers in Canada. So uh, once again, a taped show of NXT um, does much better than recent live episodes of the show, or at least close to live episodes as last week's was. Uh, So those are your ratings notes. And the last thing is just a a quick look. Uh, We won't go through everything here, but Thursday night, just to list off the shows that are taking place, uh, we have got... um, I won't go over every show here, but the main ones, the Mark Hitchcock Memorial Super Show that has Vikingo, Commander, and Taurus, Ultimo Dragon against Negro Casas, Speedball Mike Bailey. Uh, he's got his crazy Thursday night with uh, Shigehiro Irie first up. And then we uh, a 10-woman tag from Tokyo Joshi Pro, Rocky Romero and Michael Oku, Ray Orus, Eremis, and Galeno Del Mar against Latigo, Aris, and Toxin, Jeff Cobb got to get into a flight from st louis and get to la i think a lot of those guys have to get on flights dude Cobb's on both this and blood sport as well like speedball as well so he's he's got an even busier one with uh at least getting from st louis to la he's teaming with aussie open against kushida and the motor city machine guns blood sport i know this is the card you are looking forward to way yeah, I usually am. I mean, they happen infrequently enough that I could say I've seen every single one, and it, it offers a completely different style to what we usually see anywhere else. Yeah, Kota Ibushi taking on Speedball Mike Bailey, Ibushi's first match since the G1 of 2021. Uh, other standouts on the Bloodsport card are John Moxley and Alex Coughlin, uh, Yuya Yui Mura against Bad Dude Tito, Marina Shafir and Kelly and Killer Kelly, Johnny Bloodsport, if, John if you, Hennig- if, if you want to, you know, uh, hear like great promotion for Bloodsport and specifically Marina Shafir, listen to John Moxley talk about Marina Shafir in Bloodsport on the Rene Pickett podcast. He did a great job putting her over. Yeah. And her footwork. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and Yuji Shimada, former head of uh, head pride official, will be officiating these bouts at uh, mm. Bloodsport. Uh, then uh, the DDT Goes Hollywood show is late on Thursday night. Impact and New Japan's Multiverse United card. This is a very good show. It's happening at 11 Eastern tomorrow night. On uh, it's, it's a separate fight pay-per-view. It's not part of Fight Plus, but you've got Speedball and Tanahashi, Moose. Dude, Jeff Cobb's on this card too. He's got three matches tomorrow night as well. Wow. I didn't realize this. So he's doing... I, I hope he's got a good Uber. Holy Christ. I mean, maybe him and Speedball can like uh, pair up and, you know, carpool they're, together. They're on a bunch of the same shows. You're right. But they're probably yeah. not in the same, you know, place. Places no, the they're, they're going to be all over the place. Uh, Kenta and Minoru Suzuki, a uh, six way for the X Division title. Uh, the tag titles, Bay and Chris Austin, uh, Ace Austin and Chris Bay. <clears throat> I, I'm uh, I'm just aghast at all of these uh, this, this lineups. <laughs> we got to save Kushida. you up for the rest of the week, John. You know, please save that voice. They just announced Kushida and Leo Rush last night out of nowhere for this Impact well, show. Replacing Josh Alexander. Yeah, well, that's a hell of a replacement to get Leo Rush at the last. Incredible, minute. absolutely. I mean, if it's not going to be for a, a championship, yeah, like that. Just let have it be a really hot match. Absolutely. Honestly, on the bottom right there, the kickoff match is Yuya Uemura and Gabriel Kidd. That will be very good as well. So th- there's some loaded up stuff, but that's uh, the highlights. And then uh, For the Culture is late Thursday night, very early Friday morning for us, 3 a.m. Eastern time. I won't be staying up for that one, but maybe we will catch highlights. So that is uh, that is day one of WrestleMania week insanity. And we will watch as much as we can what people are talking about, and we will be we will be back on Friday to review a lot of the highlights from Thursday on the yeah, we'll, we're going to be uh, picking and choosing. We will be this will be a buffet style review on Friday yeah. of uh, the, the highlights and stuff. But I'm uh, Bloodsport. 
the Mark Hitchcock and Impact shows, like those are three. I want to catch as much of those as I can. We will, we will see how successful I am. The, the three speedball matches that are taking place on back-to-back shows, I'll definitely be catching them all. And uh, again, full schedule is up right now at postwrestling.com slash mania if you want to find out which wrestlers are wrestling on what cards if you want to find out where you can stream all the shows john and john i believe have put together a wonderful schedule bookmark it postwrestling.com slash mania and we wanted to promote this as well memo.fm slash post wrestling that is where you can uh submit uh voicemails and we'll try and get to some of these on friday just a quick message if you want to give a short match review Best match you've seen, best show you've seen, quick thoughts, and we will try and get to some of those maybe on Friday's show. So memo.fm slash postwrestling. It's free to submit. Uh, try to keep your message to about 30 seconds or so and just your thoughts of whatever you get to see uh, over the next couple of days and throughout the weekend. If we get more of these, we'll revisit them uh, early next week as well. So there you go. Bookmark it. And you should also be bookmarking Nord vpn slash post wrestling your best friend this coming weekend for all of the shows no matter where you are in the world make sure you have the best deals and all access even when we don't have it to aew's latest episode it has offered that is correct yeah um i i actually don't have an ad read ready for this one because we're actually doing it on sunday this week but Oh. Always, always a good time to give our, our uh, you you've know, trained uh, me way you've trained sponsors me. a shout out why not i'm sure they'd love it nordvpn.com slash post wrestling um hey you know a lot of these shows might be available in other parts of the world at different price points i'm just saying you know it might now might be a great time to sign up for a, a vpn and nordvpn.com slash post wrestling you get four months off i believe with their new offer right now so jump on it right now and let them know you found them uh through us all right. We're going to get into Dynamite. Uh, for those listening live, this is uh, no no surprise. But if you've downloaded the show, we have not seen all access yet. If you want to leave any of your thoughts in the in the feedback section, we will get to those at the end of our review. I'm going to try and catch it on Thursday morning, and maybe we can chat a bit about it uh, tomorrow if, uh, if we can fit it in. But uh, in we go with Dynamite from St. Louis at the Chaffetz Arena. And prior to uh, Dynamite, they did tape... Uh, an episode of ROH, which will be dropping on Thursday. I won't read the results, but I am going to list off the matches they taped. So we've got uh, Miu Yamashita against Shaza McKenzie, six-man tag title match with the Embassy against J.P. Griffey, Dak Draper, and Aaron Singh, Aussie Open against Ari Davari and Tony Nice, The Kingdom teaming with Roosh and Drillistico against the Lucha Brothers and Top Flight. That sounds really good. And it ended with a Mark Briscoe promo going into the television title match with Samoa Joe and pretty much stating that it's it's the biggest singles match of his career and he's going to win it for himself, his family, Jay's wife and kids and his whole family, essentially. I, especially uh, seeing this promo described, I can't fathom him not winning this. And Mm. they did call Claudio and Eddie Kingston the main event during Excalibur's read-through. But Mm. I would say if Mark Briscoe's winning that title, that to me is the main event. That should be the final shot is Briscoe holding that television title up. We we know how much of a stickler Tony is for for putting the world championship last, and and I don't necessarily see that changing for this one. I think is there going to be a greater emotional response than Mark Briscoe winning this title? 
Probably not. Probably not. Um, but I, I, I think it would be emotional anywhere on the show. Maybe that's where you'd want to start the show off with. You know, he also has to be. I, I hope he has some involvement in the reach for the. I mean, he should. It's the reach for the sky ladder match. You know, he should be the one to hand the belts and put the belts up. So new belts maybe, they're introducing. New tag new title design. So, you know, what better way to do it than with the TV title on his shoulder as he gives up the tag team championships? All right. And, uh, and credit to. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Did, did you. What were you going to say at the end? I was, I was just, uh, just going to credit uh, PW Insider here for the uh, the ROH tee up. OK. Um, so uh, Daniel Garcia, after Dynamite went off the air, challenged Hiroshi Tanahashi for Supercard. OK, well, there you have it. There's uh, if that if that tips the scales um, would have been a. Uh, Something I think I would have wanted to mention on the show tonight, but I digress. I, anyway. I imagine they might they might have. I mean, their philosophy about promoting ROH clearly is, you know, to, we saw with the Kingo, everybody. You don't have to announce something on TV for it to do well, especially, I guess, if it's, you know, catering towards this audience. So I guess so. Uh, do, do we know the numbers for like, do we know like ballpark numbers? What like, you know, ROH pay-per-views have done in the past? Like. I'm not even trying to ask you. I'm just trying to, you know, have you? Uh, not, not off the top of my head. I, you can probably look look them up. I just don't know the uh, the number for final battle off the top of my I head. But I, I, I would say if if your question is, do I think this is going to be the most bought ROH pay per view? I do. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just kind of curious to what degree. You know, you do have, I guess, you know, um, a lesser TV presence, but you do have, and the that's notable. Show. Like you, you don't have the like final battle did have the television build and i think that i i would say all three pay-per-views last year had at least some build on television and this one has had very very little but i guess we're going to see what the value of honor club has been over these four weeks to build up the show and, and announcing you know a, a card i guess a big match on a card maybe a few days out and um, it's also it, it's wrestlemania weekend helps it it's not as though this is just off on its own this is a show that i think gets you know they've they've sold a decent amount of tickets for for this show. Yeah, and uh, Tony Khan just uh, actually announced that that match is now official. So all right, so add that to uh, to the list for Friday night. So wow, a big a big weekend all of a sudden for Hiroshi Tanahashi, who goes from uh, the Impact show uh, and then jumps into Daniel Garcia the next night. All right, into dynamite and we start off with jack perry against matt hardy excalibur calls this a pivotal match in jack perry's career pivotal uh has he pivoted um after this there's some pivoting going on I'm i sure. guess this would be detrimental if he lost this match this would really send him back in the uh the non-existing right. rankings anymore right. um so they shake hands at the beginning, and we have Darby Allen and then Sammy Guevara and Ty Mello watching backstage. So it's essentially they are every the three of them are all angling for this title match with MJF. And it sounds like we're just going to get matches on television for them to strengthen their case, which would certainly lead you to believe that in the end, this is the four way we're getting, but we're going to be getting three strong contenders, hopefully built up over the next few weeks. Uh, Perry fights back after taking a side effect on the edge of the apron, and Ethan Page distracts him on the apron. So Hardy hits a superplex, and then Ethan explodes at Aubrey when Hook shows up to even the odds and fights off Ethan, and then Ethan goes to punch him, misses, and nails Matt, who is caught with a tope suicida and then hit with a boot to the midsection off the top. He lands on Jungle Boy, who avoids the side effect, 
hits a flatliner and then a running elbow to the back of the head. That seems to be a new finisher that they are giving him as he gets the pin in 10 minutes and three seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think a match, uh, you kind of know what you're going to get with Matt Hardy uh, these days, especially in this current like babyface role under the the firm here. Um, I would say kind of average and uh, by Jungle Boy standards, certainly, and even by AEW standards, um, a lot of, you know, interference here uh, and num- action that was just a lot of interference. Inter- which was going to be a theme the of the night was uh, yeah. the, the interference and these referees that it was uh, it was yeah. a lot tonight. Yeah. So, yeah, but like, but it, but like you said, John, it, it, at this point, you just want to give Jungle Boy notable wins, and Matt Hardy is one of your most recognized faces on the roster. The match was fine. It wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't poor. It was. You know, it, it satisfied like a, a Jungle Boy win to kick off the show. But the main stuff was after because MJF comes out, and he says that interrupting his re bar mitzvah was kind of a Kanye move. Yeah, he, he said he's this on to interrupt. Yeah, he's he's declared on Twitter that Kanye is no longer anti-Semitic. He's he's absolved him. Yeah, and and I I picked up it's because like what Kanye said something about like a Seth Seth Rogen movie or something that he liked uh, or something like that. Kanye has gone into a lot of um a lot of that territory uh, of late that you can do your your research on. It was certainly well, yeah, I know that, I mean, but like, but but it, you know, he said he liked like a Jewish man's movie, and and therefore, uh, it was some pop culture reference that I'm I'm way too old to understand at this point. Well, he says that they're not too forward thinking here in St. Louis either, and they reference back to the double or nothing match in 2020, and that Jungle Boy had the audacity to say MJF had it easy after that match where their careers went in different directions. But he acknowledges his job is easy. I never have to wrestle. I get out here, I talk, and then he puts over Long Island for next week, mentioning tickets are still available. And that Jungle Boy's career after their match has been mid. And he's had standout matches, but the audience has never thanked you. So then the crowd starts chanting thank you at Jungle Boy. And you don't get rewarded with much TV time. You have a right to be pissed, but not at me, yourself. He says that they stole the show in 95-degree weather in May of 2020 to prove that they were the future of the sport. And that day, he says, I felt I met my equal in the ring, in you, Jungle Boy. And I would wage war with you for the rest of my life. You were a man I respected. And I even swallowed my pride, shook your hand backstage. And you remember what I told you? And Jungle Boy remembers, you told me that nice guys always finish last and to ditch my friends. MJF says, you chose to hang out with Marco Stunted Growth and Dino Douche, as well as Christian Cage. That one worked out great for you, didn't it? And Hook will be no different. We could have run this place, but you had to be the good guy for these people. And three years later, I'm the best wrestler in the world with the championship, and you're still Jungle Boy. Perry says he thought that one day maybe we could have been friends and he wishes maybe I wish I was more like you and I could talk like you and have confidence like you and didn't care about anyone but myself lying and stabbing people in the back and being the most selfish and narcissistic piece of shit in this place. But it's not my way. He did it his way. And when I become champion, I'm not going to wake up alone and hate the person I see in the mirror. And MJF takes a minute. He says, that was actually really good. It only took you four years to learn how to talk. And he agrees that maybe they could have been friends or even partners, but you became a massive disappointment. You're weak. 
and he pulled Jungle Boy's girl, Anna Jay, aside, and she said to MJF that he's also weak between the knees. And Jack Perry has had enough here. He gouges the, he goes to attack uh, MJF and MJF gouges the eyes. But Jungle Boy comes back, stomps him in the corner, clotheslines him and goes for the sliding elbow. But MJF bails out before the elbow can connect. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've had Jungle Boy uh, be a solo guy for a while now, and we've seen him, you know, um, get more and more comfortable on the microphone. This was our first time really seeing him one on one against a world champion and yeah, at least on the microphone and, and really maybe the toughest task and, and MJF at that. So it was a real test for a Jungle Boy for us to see just how far he's he's become uh how far he's come since you know the christian programs ended um definitely still a ways from the main event level but i love that he admitted it i love that he admitted it that that he wishes he could talk like an mjf and that he had the confidence of an mjf it makes it almost endearing to see where he's currently at because you know he's trying his best and you want to cheer for him to get better and you want to cheer for him to beat this guy's ass because um he he's relatable. Not all of us are as charismatic as, you know, uh, an MJF or a Ric Flair. A, a lot of us are, are probably a lot more like a jungle boy. And um, I thought just simply mentioning the weakness, like made him a bigger baby face. To me, I judged this segment based on making jungle boy a viable contender and giving this backstory, this history between them, this respect that MJF had, like essentially what the task of this program is is MJF bringing these three guys up into becoming believable threats to his title. And I thought that was accomplished here. Like, this is a match I feel you want to see after this segment. Uh, not to say you necessarily believe Jack Perry is winning the title, but I thought this went a long way in turning this into a three-year history between them. And it just connected the dots to give him a pathway to the title. And I'm sure we're going to see this in a different way with Darby in a different way with Guevara and having a backstory for all three of these contenders and their respective histories with MJF. And you'll see them continue to build on this relationship in the years to come. Hopefully this post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd wallet, smart money podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you. Well, thank you. Alex Marvez is with Don Callis and Kenny Omega in the trainer's room, and Omega is getting his ribs taped up. And Callis explains that last week, when Hangman grabbed his hand, Don lost his balance and fell down on the mat. And he turns it around on Kenny, asking, why did you assume that Hangman had attacked me when you saw me down on the mat and tries to use reverse psychology here of, Why would you not trust Hangman Page? And Don says, I'm going to take care of Hangman. I'm going to go apologize to him. Uh, Consider this, to me, a really weak follow-up to last week's closing angle that it almost felt as though we had to find the most ludicrous explanation. And much like my criticism last week, I felt, again, it makes Kenny look 
so foolish here to be buying this. Yeah, I I thought so. Um, well, okay, I I think if you're going to acknowledge, so to, this felt very much like like the regal thing, you know, like the, like that they had kind of screwed up, and in this case, it might have been was it callous like like i don't know what the thinking was okay because like clearly they designed the eddie spot and i thought they executed uh you know uh, like probably exactly what they were looking for but it almost felt like today they were looking for a way to excuse people watching it and kenny finding finding out after the fact i feel like if you're going to acknowledge that everybody can see everything on tv then you shouldn't be doing things like like the eddie spot for a situation like this um because it just makes it look it like why would callus even attempt this you know knowing that kenny was going to watch it like my only explanation is that they had designed the spot without thinking through that people would be criticizing that they that hey why well, isn't Kenny going to be seeing this later on and then they had to come up with a solution to explain well it's like they had to book themselves out of their own angle yeah and I just hate it I I I, I it, it reeked of the regal explanation in terms of just how like obvious of a patch up job it was and I think overall it just kind of makes it look very sloppy in conception and sloppy in the fix. I, I I just I, I would say if you're gonna go one way, just go one way and pretend that you know guys can't watch what they're seeing on TV for whatever reason, or just don't do these types of spots. Period. There was also a way to do it in the sense of Don coming up from behind Hangman and Hangman just like instinctively like shifts and it's and it's kept like there's the debatable point like yes. did Don take a dive to play with Kenny or mm. and create this tension or did he actually get hit and it's ambiguous enough that you can reasonably defend it if you're Don Callis they didn't give him any reasonable defense so you got got this stupid explanation I think it could have been done in a way that does create the tension between Hangman and Omega but also doesn't paint a callus necessarily like there's an out for callus that he can that he can rely on even if you don't believe him yeah that would have been great then we had this segment where the acclaimed are taken out by menard parker and jake hager to hang out with the st louis blues mascot they go for dinner a merry-go-round milkshakes and next week the acclaimed will decide if they join the jas which i could have sworn they've turned them down multiple times and i guess they're going to turn them down again next week this seemed like a long day of shooting for this angle. Like they went to a lot of locations here. Well, they weren't on the show, so I guess they they had something to do to fill their time and justify their uh, yeah, travel. It might have been a fun day if the company comped your dinner and some milkshakes. I'm sure they had some fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe the milkshakes clinched it. Maybe they all joined the JAS. That's true. John Moxley, Claudio, and Yuta against Dalton Castle and the boys. So. The BCC jump them on their way down, and Claudio, dude, he trips over one of the boys as he attacks him from behind and just spills on this ramp and then just tried to gracefully get up as, like, I meant to do that. And so Claudio starts the match with Brandon Tate while the others are brawling on the floor, and it's a Ricola bomb, 48 seconds, and he pins Brandon Tate. And then we have uh, Claudio doing push-ups. Yuta steps on top of Brent Tate on the way out, and they just leave Dalton Castle and the boys uh, for dead here. It's a squash, you know. Um, 
I guess to uh, effective, you know, is, is maybe what I could say. Um, certainly made them more heelish and, you know, put some focus on Claudio ahead of his title match, which you probably wouldn't know was happening if you only watched uh, this particular match. Cause I don't believe they mentioned it or if it, they did, it was uh, very, not, not very, uh, very much in passing. Um, they changed Claudio's theme song. It's now it's just a standard symphony version of the 1812 overture, not the, the rock version. So, bit more heelish and I, I like it a lot more i i didn't like his his theme originally i didn't like the rock version at all like yeah. it was too, it just sounded too fun like i don't know corny. this suits this suits the direction better and and i i yeah. just like it better as a theme they recap the attack on the young bucks and then i was glad we got a highlight pack of omega and vikingo and then omega being attacked by the bcc last week and then we hear Omega's challenge that he made all the way back on January 5th after New Year's Dash when he teamed with Okada uh, to Jeff Cobb. If he wants to come for this U.S. title, come to America. And then Cobb's response uh, last week when he said he is coming to St. Louis. Marvez catches up with Hangman Page, who states that Nick Jackson has a separated shoulder and Matt Jackson has a partially torn biceps that we know is true in, in Matt's case. And Marvez asks, who did the attack? And Hangman is, of course, it was BCC who did it. Callus walks he, in. He actually said the BBC did it, which was. Oh, he said BBC? Okay. It was fun. Yeah. Right. Callus walks in. He is embarrassed about last week. We all were. And he apologizes. He doesn't want to get between him and Kenny. And he offers his hand right as the BCC or the BBC jump hangman page and Callus just keeps his hand out the whole time. And then Moxley drills him and we cut to Callus, and he is just covered in blood. And uh, the update from PW insider is that he apparently like nailed his head on the way down here. And this Ooh. was like a legitimate, um, like he legitimately hurt himself, which I just have a hard time imagining. He, did this much damage uh, landing on the ground. But that was the report that I just saw before we started the show. So clearly he's not in cahoots with the BCC. I guess not. That kind of ruled this out, which um, I think people thought was where this whole thing was going. And th this would certainly be quite the um, the angle that would be referenced. if that Unless occurred. he's got a great explanation for that, too. Oh, my gosh. You know, yeah. that, I mean, that's the Don Callis role is just to make up excuses for why things happen yeah maybe it's a fake don callus the real don callus died and he sent a video in telling us about um don chalice his mm. evil twin no <laughs> I, I i want more videos from weeks ago that were shot in case of the man's <laughs> demise yeah. kenny omega and jeff cobb for the united states championship shivani finds kenny backstage and alerts him that don callus has been attacked and won't be able to be in your corner what that means is uh, Excalibur, Taz, and Shivani won't have someone to be on commentary with for the next 15 minutes. But Kenny's got to try and stay focused. And um, this, was, uh, th this was the least convincing interaction between a broadcaster and a wrestler that you're going to see. <laughs> He's been attacked. <laughs> Kenny comes out to his Devil's Sky theme. From yeah. New Japan. I, awesome. I makes sense with the title defense. 
I love it. I I love it that uh, like yeah. I suppose this. So this is uh, competed competed under um um uh, what is it? The IWGP rules it's and overseen therefore... by the International Wrestling Grand Prix that Excalibur explained as the governing governing body of New Japan. No, we appreciate that. But you know, it gives a chance for guys to don their, uh, I guess, uh, New Japan persona. So if Moxley were to wrestle for this title, he'd come out to uh, his um Death Rider song as well. You would think we would have had um. Like uh, red shoes or someone of officiating the match. I, I I wonder if a new Japan referee will be in town, but probably a bit too soon for it. So Omega, I thought Omega did a great job selling his ribs, and that is all Cobb was focused on with his his offense here, attacking the ribs, did a spin cycle, avalanche in the corner, and then Omega lands on his feet from a German and lands a knee, but then Cobb gets up for this beautiful drop kick. Omega manages a snapdragon, and then Cobb hits him with an inside-out lariat. Both are down, and the crowd is applauding. They trade strikes, and then Cobb goes to the ribs with one body shot. And he proceeds with a delayed vertical off the turnbuckle and a standing moonsault onto Kenny's injured ribs. And Cobb goes for his own V-trigger, hits it, and lifts up Kenny. He's going to deliver the one-winged angel when Omega stops it, avoids a tour of the islands, and hits a V-trigger to the back of the head, lifts up Cobb, which is very impressive as he hit this one-winged angel to win in 14 minutes. Um, I I really enjoyed this match. It was totally different from the Bakingo match. Very tough match to follow, uh, but I I thought this was the match of the show. I I enjoyed this a lot, just with the the body work and again a, a totally different style of match than we had last week. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a really good TV match. You know, it was certainly slower paced. Every any wrestling match is going to be more slower paced than what you saw last week, but I thought it was uh, very captivating and dramatic thanks to Kenny's rib injury and his selling of the rib injury. And, you know, if there's any similarity to last week, it's that it, it was a lot of Kenny selling. And um, last week's was done to showcase Vikingo. This week really was done to showcase Jeff Cobb. And I thought Cobb did a very good job, you know, uh, a, pre- a very satisfying Kenny match. I mean, not necessarily one that, you know, people would be saying uh, is the best dynamite match, maybe even of this year or this month, but I think very satisfying and worthy. The BCC surround the ring with Claudio Moxley and Yuta, and they're surrounding Kenny when all of a sudden Brian Danielson makes his return and he leaps into the ring. Kenny is looking confused and Danielson offers his hand. Omega gets up and he charges after Yuta on the apron as Danielson gets in position and nails Kenny with the Busaiku knee and applies the label lock as the BCC join in on the attack. They fight off security Danielson is holding Omega by his nostrils. Tons of heat here for Danielson. And he shakes hands and hugs with the BCC and screams at Kenny. And you can hear him. It was tough to hear, but he yelled that you are what is wrong with wrestling. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had wondered if they would be splitting Danielson up with the BCC um, after his match with MJF, because he's always felt like the most wall, like even in the build towards revolution, um, while the rest of the BCC had definitely already started leading more towards a heel edge. Danielson, I thought against MJF was still very much the same babyface character. And that's what I think made this turn so effective. You think everybody was probably thinking Danielson was going to turn and join the elite or at least Kenny Omega and instead they did the opposite. And I, I actually really enjoy this. You know, it's a fresh direction for Danielson. Um, it's a meaner Brian Danielson than what we've seen. Um, and I think 
you know, he's not going to be challenging Max anytime soon for a world championship. So why not open up the possibilities with all of those guys as heels, and especially as you're headed towards Stadium Stampede and also Blood and Guts? Yeah, I mean, this is another name into the pile here that you're programmed with the elite and just think of the the matches that you can get out of this. And you would certainly think that BCC against Omega, well, I mean, Matt Jackson's injury might um, throw this timeline off because a partially torn biceps, like that, that's not going to be a several week issue. Um, double, that, or, double or nothing's not until May. You've got two months and that would maybe mm. be your, your target, um, if not sometime in, in June. But yeah, I mean, you have pretty much a four on four now that, that you can do. And that seems to be like where you would want to build this to. Yeah, I should have said anarchy in the arena. That's probably more likely at this point than stadium stampede. They recapped the guns and FTR setup last week for the titles versus careers match that is taking place next week on Long Island. And the guns do a sit down interview and state that FTR are one of the best teams, but it took you 19 years to get there. It only took us two. And you used your time off to bitch, moan and politic for this title shot. You used to be our heroes. Then we met you. Now we hate you. We've respected one person. That was our father as Austin spits on the ground. And look what we did to him. And FTR, your catchphrase is going to be appropriate next week. Top guys out. Great segment, I thought, from the guns. These guys are, I know they get a lot of criticism, but I, I think they've improved a lot. And I think that they're doing a really good job in, in this role. I think so, too. Yeah, again, maybe especially considering their level of, of experience um, as promos, they sound incredibly smooth. So, yeah, next week we'll find out what what what's up with FTR. Orange Cassidy against the Butcher for the AEW International Championship. This match was essentially the Butcher destroying this guy for 95% of the match. Thanks to the help of the Blade, who comes out with a crowbar and is thrown out by Stephen Smith. So that is the line that you cannot cross with an AEW referee. You have a, a weapon, uh, a crowbar in the ring, then, then you have to be thrown out to the back. But it doesn't mean you have to stay in the back. So Cassidy is tossed onto the top turnbuckle. Butcher works on his back uh, throughout the break. And Orange Cassidy has to resort to raking his eyes out of desperation. Hits the stun dog millionaire. And then he goes for this tilt-a-whirl. And I don't know if it was meant to go this way. It seemed like he just got lost. or They just got their signals mixed up. But it was seamless in that Butcher, just like he, he's going to go for a, a power bomb, And Cassie just continues to rotate and hits the, the DDT. And it looked great in the, in the end. He hits a deep impact. Blade runs in behind the referee's back. And he blasts Orange Cassidy with a crowbar. He takes a backbreaker, but he kicks out. So now the best friends run down. They attack the Blade and they take the crowbar. Trent then nails Butcher with the crowbar. And the orange punch is hit. Hits the beach break, and he wins the match in 7 minutes and 58 seconds. Way too much going on in this match for my personal taste. Yeah, towards the end, yeah. Um, I mean, I thought the match was good overall. It's a giant taking on Orange Cassidy, which I think is always effective. Um, I think it, the totality of all the interferences throughout the show probably the, made this This and the worse. next match were just – they were really weighed the show down greatly yeah. for me. There was way too much. Yeah, but th at least th this one kind of had a point to it. There, th you know, you had Excalibur at least on commentary explaining that uh, Orange Cassidy was doing things he wasn't usually doing, like poking the eyes. You had the best friends coming in here, and they them using, uh, I guess, a weapon here. So the suggestion is that all these title defenses have been wearing on Orange Cassidy, and he's now having to resort to shortcuts, which I 
if that indeed is a story, I find it at least interesting, especially for the best friends who really have been like in the same place, you know, uh, for years at this point in AEW. So um, I, I think they're all in, in, in some need of a fresh direction. It's like Phoenix having the resort and finally use that hammer. Right. And what happened with that? He's, they, they, they lost the trios titles and they got excommunicated from that division. Losing the powerhouse so. Hobbs. Yeah. Are, are they even like on a, are they on Supercard or something? Are they, they are. Anything? Yes. They're, they're in the reach for the sky match. Ah, okay, cool. Jade Cargill does a promo. She calls Taya Valkyrie a huge problem in AEW. She ignored the cease and desist and then used Jaded on her lawyer. And Sterling says that Taya broke his nose. And if Taya uses Jaded this Friday in her match, they will send her a court order and sue her. And also, uh, Tootie Lynn, who was, uh, has, has been used on, on Dark, uh, she was also there with the group as well. So we, we all of a sudden have a group of four here with Sterling back. Tootie Lynn and Layla Gray with Jade. But we are getting Taya Valkyrie against Marina Shafir. Mm -hmm. The footwork. Can it overcome Jaded? We're going to find out. Probably not in this case. Uh, maybe she'll be wearing boots and that, that'll be her Achilles heel. Oh, literally. Juice cuts a crazy Juice promo. He's facing Action Andretti on Friday. And it will be a fight. And he says his tunnel vision is on Ricky Stark. So every punch he throws at Action Andretti will be meant for Ricky Starks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Sounds like an important match on Friday. <laughs> the um, real match is next Wednesday. That's what you got to tune into. That's so this is going head to head with Supercard, right? Um, yes. Yeah. This will be on at 10. Yeah. Supercard. Well, Supercard starts at seven. I don't think it's ending by 10. It's probably going till. Uh, yeah, I would say closer to eleven. It's, so probably it's like we're gonna. It's three weeks in a row. I've missed Rampage, <laughs> and you must feel lost, so, don't you? Um, I, I guess I, I really should have tuned in to see um Taya hit Jaded on Mark Sterling. Are you ready for our favorite show next weekend? Battle of the Belts is back. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's on? What's on it? Have they announced any matches? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, that's all that's, right. That's for next week. Willow Nightingale against Ruby Soho. Uh, Ruby immediately goes to the floor to just chill with Soraya and Tony Storm. And then Soraya starts attacking Willow with knees uh, behind Aubrey Edwards' back. Ruby then wears her down. Soraya gets on the apron again, but this time Willow rams her into the post. Willow fights back, drops her with a spine buster, and then Tony knocks Willow off balance. This one, Aubrey wasn't even turned around. So she just watched this. And if you watch her face, like she's shocked at this. How could you do this, Tony? Uh, but let's it go. You know, maybe maybe she just uh, got on that apron and couldn't control herself. So Ruby yanks her off into no future, hits a second no future, but Willow kicks out. Destination Unknown gets countered with a backslide and hits the pounce and then goes for the doctor bomb. But it's prevented because Tony yanks uh, Ruby to stop the hold from being hit and then puts Ruby's feet onto the ropes where Aubrey counts three with Ruby using the rope for leverage and gets the pin. This was a house of torture at its worst, this match. I, I didn't enjoy any of this. Yeah. Um, I know they're heels, and heels have to cheat, I guess. Yeah, but. yeah this is, man, I take my money. I've got to see the odds even. Well, how else would you want to cheer for the baby face other than, you know, seeing a triple team, you know, throughout the entire match? Um. There was too much. There was way too much of, 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 of all the outside activity going on. Um, I think 
you know, they, they want to have them all on TV. They want to establish them as a group, but I think there are probably better ways of establishing Ruby and the outsiders as heels without necessarily having just cheating going on all the time. Um, but I, you know, the plus side is I think Ruby looks really comfortable in this heel role. Certainly to me, a whole lot more comfortable than she did the last time I saw her as one as part of the riot squad. Um, and it also helps, of course, because Willow is a fantastic baby face. I really liked her offense. It looked very fluid, very powerful, but the over, over interference was totally overdone. And I think it made Willow's friends look really dumb to, you know, see all this going on throughout the entire thing. And, Still not come out until after then, the match. Well, and then after, so they're beating on Ruby and they put the chair around Willow's ankle when Riho and Sky Blue run out and then they just destroy Sky Blue and then they're going to do the same to Riho and spray paint her when Jamie Hader returns and she comes out to a monster pop. Jamie Hader was great here. Like her, <laughs> dude, she murdered Ruby Soho with this backbreaker. It was like, dude, Ruby, it was like I was watching on 3x the speed here of how she took this. And then Storm ducks out of the Hader aid and then Hader extends her hand to Riho and they are having their title match next Wednesday on Dynamite as Hader chases the outcasts to the back so you did get the hater involvement that the audience cared for but i did not enjoy this match at all it's one thing if like you know like it's one spot or two even two spots uh, and the baby faces don't come out but when it's like repeated as much as it was and the baby face still don't do anything about it until after the match it just makes you question you know why i just think the reliance on the behind the referee's back stuff it's just I, I can accept that you're going to have a spot or two. It's just, it's so overdone on these AEW shows that it, it, there's no credibility there. And I just feel that it's, it's a parody at this point with, with the route. I would just be a lot more judicious with when I do it, that it's going to have some impact. And many times you see it, it's, it's only a transition. It's not a, a significant part of the match and it just becomes something easy to, to go to. So that is one criticism. I, I certainly feel is a consistent one. I have rampage on Friday, Sammy Guevara against Konosuke Takeshita. That sounds excellent. Best friends against Brody King and Malachi black Taya Valkyrie against Marina Shafir and juice Robinson against action Andretti. So Throw those four matches onto the uh, the menu for this weekend as well. And next Wednesday on Long Island, Juice Robinson against Ricky Starks. Jamie Hayter against Riho for the AEW women's title. The Guns against FTR, titles versus careers. The BCC will speak, and it is MJF Day in Long Island. Mm-hmm. So who's right. going to ruin MJF Day? And get mm-hmm. booed. Maybe Sammy Guevara. Maybe Sammy Guevara should try and ruin it because they will be booed if they interrupt him. Uh, Probably, yeah. Actually, that'd be a great choice. Yeah. Powerhouse Hobbs does a promo going over his recent wins, and he's never losing the TNT title, he proclaims. No QTV this week. No, maybe QTV didn't get renewed after two episodes. Maybe the uh, maybe Hmm. the demos were down. Did you hear what his new uh, his new finisher is? Mm -mm. The Dirt Sheet Driver. Yeah. Okay. This was the first time I heard a plug for the ROH pay-per-view. It was right before the main event. And then during the main event, they do the, uh, instead of plugging the Rampage matches like they do, they just plugged all the matches for Supercard, including Claudio and Kingston. That was called the main event. Uh, but this main event is Adam Cole against Daniel Garcia. Uh, Cole comes out, pretty big response. His first match since Forbidden Door last June. And Garcia 
strikes him in the throat and hits a pile driver. So working on his head after the concussion issues, that was Garcia's target. He takes over. Cole fights back after the break, lands an Ushiguroshi, but then Garcia with a deadlift German and misses. Uh, Cole lands a super kick, but then misses with the boom, which Garcia ducks. The Panama Sunrise is attempted, but Garcia rolls through and he applies the Dragon Tamer, forcing Cole to the rope, and he hits a second pile driver to Cole, but Cole gets his boot up in the corner, lands the Panama Sunrise, and hits the boom, and just like that, the match ends, and there is like five minutes left, which in AEW is the equivalent of a quarter hour to go in this show. I was like, how much is going to happen in these five minutes? So, first of all, I thought the match was average. It did not, to me... um, like fine, but below what I expected of of these two in a in a main event setting. Um, mm-hmm. so for 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 these two, I just I, I really didn't feel them hitting that that next level of an AEW Dynamite main event. Yeah, I thought the match was was okay by the standards that we know Daniel Garcia and the standards that we know Adam Cole. But I think it's also the type of match that I would have far more appreciation for if I knew the full story of how he got here, you know, and, and that probably is what watching the reality show is for and fully understanding how much this guy might've gone through to even get to this point of having a full on main event level match. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, going to be like, um, maybe so, um, critical of it because I, I don't know what behind the scenes, you know, this guy's still currently dealing with, but they are telling the story that he's not a hundred percent because of the head. So, um, you know, I, 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 how long is this all access? Do you know how many it's, episodes? It's six episodes. So my question would definitely like, obviously they have mapped this out and, and Adam Cole was brought onto TV back at the, the, the forum show. That was January 11th. They brought mm-hmm. him back to TV. You could certainly argue that is it more effective to do the series first and then do the return match after you've got the whole story. And if we're talking six weeks, it's not like we're talking about 10 episodes of where you're waiting two months uh, for this whole series. But I mean, at the same time, this guy's been gone for this long and maybe they just, and they they had the the power slap, you know, thing that they had to get through. Um, It's, it's hard to maybe match programming schedules with the guy guys healing. They want to be able to, you know, have a wrestler that's active on the roster. uh, Probably didn't have a start date for all access when Cole came back, like back in January. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I I get the sense, like he probably was, you know, uh, after this match, like, I, I would understand if he actually got emotional because, you know, we, we have to remember this guy almost had his career taken away from him. But it, that 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 weight is not necessarily there, I, I guess, are not as effectively conveyed to us just yet. Yeah. Uh, Britt Baker comes down and hugs him in the ring and they get this whole confetti uh, celebration for Adam Cole's return. And we've got three minutes left in the show. And what is going to happen? And then you hear Judas And Chris Jericho comes down, and everyone thinks there's going to be some attack, something here. He checks on Daniel Garcia, who is down on the mat. He doesn't even make eye contact with Adam Cole. Has this blank stare as he's helping Garcia up the ramp. He pauses at the top. Everyone's waiting for something to happen. But he continues to walk to the back. And then Adam Cole's music resumes. And it's just Baker and Cole in the ring. And at this time, I'm thinking, it's long enough. It's like, Britt Baker's turning on Adam Cole. Like, that's the only thing that can happen. Oh, God. Come on. But instead, Cole just slaps hands ringside, and that's how it ended. It was like the most un-AEW ending to a show I can remember. I mean, it was Jericho. The tease was Jericho. 
I I just think people were expecting more than just like you were left not knowing where this is going. Well, Jericho gave that look. I mean, I, I just t- took it to mean you're getting Cole versus Jericho. I think you've got that. I was just thinking like you were you were going to get something more emphatic uh, th- than that. But right. um, this was the the end to the show, and he, it was just it was all presented around Adam Cole's return. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, this whole show, at least you know, in, in terms of um, uh, what you saw ringside and Excalibur throughout. I mean, they really probably should have aired like a trailer. Maybe they did on TNT, you know, because I was watching on Fight, of course. So I, I can't TBS. Really tell, but, or TBS, I, I meant, yeah. But um, the ring skirt had all access promotion, and and you know they wanted a way to lead to this reality show afterwards. So right on the canvas, they had the logo for yeah. uh, for all access. So mm-hmm. I mean, they I I am sure on the TBS feed it was it was promoted pretty heavily uh, right. coming up. So again, we will uh, try and talk about that on on Thursday's show. But um, I would say I, I was definitely more into the first hour of the show. I thought the MJF Jack Perry segment was strong. I thought the Kenny Omega Jack, Jeff Cobb match was very strong. I thought that was the match of the show. Second hour to me, uh, to me, really dragged the show down for me. I thought this was this was a bit lower than uh, typical Dynamite a- episodes uh, of late. Wasn't crazy about the Don Callis follow up. It just almost felt like a waste of an angle last week that they had to book themselves out of. Um, Danielson coming back, I think I think that does add quite a bit to the BCC story and where they are going with the elite. Um, that that's an interesting way of wh- where they're going in in all of that. Um, but yeah, this uh, second hour didn't light my world on fire away. Yeah, yeah, I I think the Brian turn was probably the most significant thing on the show. I mean, Adam Cole coming back too, I suppose. Um, uh, and the MJF Jungle Boy promo I thought was pretty solid as well. But yeah, a bit on the weaker side, I suppose, compared to Dynamites throughout the rest of the year. But there were some really high ones earlier this year. Do you see the title versus career match closing the show next week? Oh, um, that's interesting. Um, maybe it depends on the outcome. Um, but yeah, I could see that one closing. Yeah. I, I can't see them doing either a title change or a career step, uh, anywhere else, but the end of the show. So you would think that they, sure. they close with that one. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to, uh, open it up to any super chats. If you want to submit them and we have feedback on the forum. So you direct yeah. this way. Let's go to forum.postwrestling.com. Would you like me to start John? Sure. We got a muggin who says, Omega Cobb stole this episode, and my ears perked up when I heard Devil Sky for the first time in years. Cole looked good in his first match back, and right on cue, the heat vampire Jericho appeared. Uh-oh, and Brian Danielson turned heel. Saw this coming a mile away. I bet Blood and Guts will be the elite versus a heel BCC. Steve Grows Weed. That was a great episode, a great video package highlighting the saga of the elite and the rampaging combat club. Kenny and Cobb seemed a bit off in the beginning, but they came together and had a good match. Hard to live up to last week's Kenny's Kenny singles match. Main event was good. Good to see Cole back. Streamers were a bit much. Great episode tonight. Well, no one, uh, Steve just doesn't want anything celebratory. Cody from Maine, another enjoyable addition to Dynamite. Worries about Adam Cole's pending feud with Jericho aside, the top programs are all hitting for me right now, particularly the elite BCC feud that we can be fairly certain is leading to blood and guts. What a spectacle that will be. A non-AEW question to cap this off. I don't watch anything WWE related with the exception of the pay-per-views, so my weekly info comes from you guys. The feeling I got from Austin Theory on Raw was that the impending promo he'll cut on Monday after the Cena match could be tailor-made for a debuting-slash-returning wrestler. Do you think it would be a good landing spot for someone like Jay White, given he'll likely get a hero's welcome anyway? 
that's one option. Um, a returning wrestler, you you could you could certainly see. I almost prefer the idea of Austin Theory working with with somebody else of a stature. Like if if you believe a Randy Orton is ready to come back, that would be a natural to me with Austin Theory at this point to go from Cena to someone more established. I would I would have Jay White in a in a different role. I don't know if Austin Theory would be my my first um, target there, providing Jay White that is what where you're expecting him to land. Yeah, I think you want somebody that is more well known to a WWE base um, in a follow up to a John Cena match. I also think you want somebody that Austin Theory could beat, and so I I mean I wonder if 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 Orton would be that guy or if they'd be more protective of Orton coming back so soon. Uh, Jay White, I think you know needs to come back with a bit of an introduction. He'll get a cheer, certainly, if he debuts the night after WrestleMania. But that doesn't necessarily mean to me that you should push him as a babyface. I think he's more effective as a heel. Um, and I think I would probably like to see him start off that way. I, you know, I wonder if a Cody interaction would be interesting, you know, on that first night even. Let's go here to John. Dynamite continues to effectively divert the conversation away from the seemingly never-ending online drama with solid shows over the past few weeks. There are layers and nuance to a lot of the storylines going on right now during a post-pay-per-view period that would usually see a bit of a lull. One thing I noticed was that Claudio's normal upbeat theme uppercut swing finny was replaced with a generic version of the 1812 Overture. If they go the same route after the Danielson turn and go back to a standard ride of the Valkyries, we could have two BCC members with classical songs. What songs should they give to Moxley and Yuta? Maybe a classical version of Wild Thing. Maybe maybe Beethoven second can introduce John Moxley. Maybe or um, nothing. Nothing. Okay. Silence. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like it when guys turn and and they get new songs, especially, you know, with those two, I, I, I have not liked Danielson's new theme whatsoever. Um, what if it's being performed live? Uh, then I hate it even more. So I, I hope we get a change. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for the feedback and for tuning in live again. We will have a show up on the post wrestling cafe Thursday afternoon with a big WrestleMania 39 preview. We'll also go through stand and deliver with Davey Portman and John Pine stopping by as we will chat what's going on with the collective this week. Then we have two shows on Friday, Friday afternoon and Friday night post wrestling cafe.com and video You will not miss a minute of our mania week coverage and then live and free here on the post youtube channel saturday night and sunday night minutes after wrestlemania you will get myself and waiting and if you are not at home watching wrestlemania we know where you're going to be on saturday and sunday night downtown toronto gabby's the wrestlemania watch party 307 king street west tickets at poisonrana.ca only a few tickets are left they are going to be giving out prizes i understand tickets to dynamite in hamilton will be up for grabs weightlifting belts drinks everyone can try the brooks jensen and let me Ooh, know because the that, drinks dude the brooks jensen looks great that might be a hit uh or you could try a samoan spike there's the samoan spike the uh the KOD is is another one. So uh-huh. check out the uh, the drink menu on uh, the Poison Rana Twitter. They they have leaked the drink menu, so you can check those out uh, Saturday and Sunday night. I, ho- I hope the drinks aren't too popular because then night two is going to be rough for some people. 
Ooh, yeah. Uh, pace yourselves, everybody. Yes. That's it. Pace yourselves this weekend, whether you're watching or consuming. <laughs> that is it for us. That's show number two in the bag, and we will speak with you on Thursday. Good night.